the Duck Pond Wall. Today, yeah. our guest is Stephanie Edwards, PhD, RD. Hi, Stephanie. How you doing? I'm doing well. Part of the fun of this conversation is the fact that I don't really understand what in the heck you do. <laughs> we're going to find out together. So I can read for people what your little Instagram description says. Okay, so Stephanie Compton, mm-hmm. RD registered dietitian. I looked that up and Reader's Digest came up and I was pretty sure that wasn't it. Registered dietitian, (laughs) scientist, nutrition, plus metabolism, plus plus cancer researcher, nuanced nutrition information, fuel your cell sack. Stephanie, what the heck do you do for a living? Oh my gosh. I've been following you on social media, but I don't understand. Let's yeah, of course. Unpack all of that stuff and just see what you do for a living. Yeah. First off, when did you graduate? I graduated in 2016. So you've been out of school for 10 minutes. Yeah, just pretty pretty much. Yeah, it feels like it. <laughs> it definitely feels like and yet, it. And yet you're already a star on Instagram. <laughs> you've had time to get a PhD. What's your PhD in? Yeah. So, um, so after I finished at Emory, I went to Virginia Tech. Um, I got a master's degree in community nutrition and dietetics, and then I got a PhD in um, cellular and molecular nutrition, studying ovarian cancer metabolism. So that that is what my PhD is in. That and is then very specific. <laughs> yeah, my my degree is human nutrition, foods, and exercise, like overall. But I studied ovarian cancer metabolism, um, and also completed a dietetic internship to become a registered dietitian. That is wackadoodle. So is it, is it, okay, just for starters, is it fair to say that you really believe in the power of nutrition? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Honestly. Tell me, tell me why. Let's start there. Tell me why, how did you get into this whole, like food matters? We are what we eat, whatever it is that you're going to say, what that's, that's a really old expression. Tell me, (laughs) tell me what brought you to this moment where you are this, this person who really believes in what we eat. Yeah. Well, honestly, I will, I will go ahead and say like Emory is what like try really got me into this like direction. Um, but at my very beginning, what, when I decided, Hey, I want to study nutrition more, I really loved metabolism. And that was my, like the thing that I really learned at Emory that really set off that spark and that love of nutrition. And I of course learned it in our biology classes at Emory, where we were talking about like, you know, glycolysis and the Krebs cycle, like all of the different pathways. Right. But then I was kind of curious, okay, well, what happens beforehand? Like we obviously have to eat. And so like, whatever we're, we're breaking down in our cells, like we have to have eat it. So like, where, how does that tie in and how does that tie into metabolism? And I, Honestly, I, I will be completely honest with you in that I have done this in my path to, to being a cancer researcher. I didn't necessarily like set out to do that, but it kind of happened along the way. Um, and just to explain to the listening audience, she's now doing a wavy line as yes, to indicate yes. it was not a straight path to what no, she's doing it's, now. It's not. <laughs> um, so, so I really, I really liked metabolism. I really wanted to know how nutrition kind of put into that. And I actually, I first set out just to become a dietitian um, because I wanted to work with individuals with inborn errors of metabolism. And if you say that again, inborn errors of errors. metabolism. Of metabolism. What does that mean? You're just born so, with these crazy metabolism problems? Yes, honestly. Um, so I the example I always give is one called phenylcantinuria. Before that's a really big word. It but is. if you ever see like a diet Coke, diet Dr. Pepper, like some kind of diet soda drink, if you look on the side of it, you'll see a warning on it that says phenylcantinuriacs warning contains phenylalanine. And that 
so phenylalanine is amino acid and people who have phenylcantinuria can't break down phenylalanine. And so it builds up in their system. And what does it, it do? It's very detrimental. You can't get rid of it. So it just builds up. Right. And so you, you have to avoid that amino acid, which means you have to like have a really specific diet to be able to like live essentially. So that was like, I was like so interested in all these like really cool, like pathways and like metabolism and all this stuff. And then, um, I discovered it's really expensive to become a dietitian. <laughs> so <laughs> is it really like more than like yeah. the other things? Why? Yeah. So you have to do an internship for, to become a dietitian. Um, and to do like the traditional internship, like, cause I learned all this as I was applying to grad school while mm -hmm. I was at Emory. Right. And I, I didn't really know about like the cost of the internship, but it, you know, it could be really expensive to do one because you have to essentially like get time where you're working as a dietitian, you're not getting paid to do that, but you're getting oh. experience and you have to pay to be in the, the internship. So that was kind of when I was like, Oh, I can't, I can't actually do that. <laughs> so let me like, maybe look at my other Because options. you have to eat. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so I was like, let me look at my other options. And that's actually when I met my PhD advisor. And again, she studied metabolism, but she studied it in cancer. And so I was like, well, I love metabolism. Like that's, that's my true passion. Right. Right. So I decided, well, I'll just, I'll just go over here and study cancer metabolism. And it turned out that I really, really loved it. And I'm like very thankful that I, I had the little wavy path that I did to get me where I'm at, because I feel like it's such, it's such a cool application of metabolism, but it's also a really cool application of nutrition. And that is where my day job, what I'm doing right now, I'm a postdoctoral research fellow at Pennington Biomedical Research Center in Baton Rouge. Lord have mercy. I don't understand. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to need like, you know, like when you go to a play and they give you a list of like, who's yeah. what character and what happens in this mm -hmm. scene. I feel yeah. like that's what I need to follow your life. So, uh, okay, sure. so that's, that's your day job. You're doing this postdoc thing and tell me, and what's uh -huh. that in? Tell, say that again. So I'm a, I'm a postdoctoral research fellow. So, um, you know, that's kind of the, the traditional like path that you would have after you finish a PhD and maybe you want to, maybe you want to teach, you want to be right. Or something like that. A lot of people will do a postdoc, uh, kind of like the shorthand term of it, but essentially it's just like extra training. It teaches you how to like do your own research essentially. And is that, are you, are you focused still on the metabolism there mm -hmm. and cancer research? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. And, and I take it there are, there are strong overlaps with metabolism and cancer cells, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. Is that me yep. following you? Okay. All right. Yep. But now, so who is you on Instagram doing all these great, like little nutritional things? And who, what is that about? Yeah. So that's just like, so, okay. I started my Instagram during my PhD and I really started it for two reasons. One was because I wanted, like, I saw so much misinformation on the internet about nutrition, like so much stuff out there, like, like that was misleading or it confused people or it was just con like completely incorrect. And it was just like, really, it's hard for people that are wanting to find out more about nutrition to actually find like decent information. Mm -hmm. And so I, that was one of the reasons. And then the second reason was I, I really love science communication. Um, and so as I was learning all the science of like, you know, cancer and nutrition and metabolism and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to also tell other people about it because I love talking about what I do and I love communicating it. So it kind of started there <laughs> and it morphed into obviously where I'm at now. I've been 
I've been doing Instagram for, I think, almost four years. So it's it's been like, you know, a while that I've been trying to just like develop this. And it's really grown into this whole like, you know, trying to create content that's really helpful for people and like breaking down. Like I, I like to take a more like rather than a debunk approach, I like to take an education approach. Like I want to tell you why oh. this is incorrect or why, how you can look through some of the stuff on the internet that isn't necessarily like very correct. But right. I also um, spend time with that educating um, like fellow professionals about research and science, kind of bringing my own research background into helping like nutrition coaches or RDs or fitness coaches or whoever it happens to be that doesn't have that research experience. I want to help them learn more about it. So it's kind of a twofold <laughs> education that I do on Instagram, but that's kind of what it's morphed into over the years. Yeah. Well, do you, 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 you have a lot of followers I'm guessing. And so, and are a lot of them, are a lot of them professionals? Do you have more it's professionals? Yeah, it's a pretty good split, actually. I have a good number of professionals, but I have a good number of people that are just interested in learning more about, you know, how how nutrition and science can kind of come into real life. Yeah. And did I read, I was looking, you had some links. Do you also have like a newsletter and some different things? I do. I will I will be completely honest with you. I have not sent out a newsletter in a while because getting a PhD <laughs> kind of took up a little bit of my time, you know? Yeah, you know. But I, I do have a newsletter and I, I need to restart it now that I'm kind of like here and settled in my new job and everything. Um, but I do usually send out a newsletter. Um, I am like redoing a whole bunch of stuff, trying to get like a platform where I could put things and like education where people can learn about mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of coming in the next little bit. But nice. yeah. yeah. Well, are you just... Yeah, I, where do you find the energy to do all these things? <laughs> what are you eating? Well, I don't I don't know what you're eating because you've got a lot of energy. Listen, I'll tell you, I ha- I start every day with a massive latte. So like that's probably where half of it comes from. <laughs> oh, that makes me feel better about life. All right. So so were you always really interested in, in nutrition and that kind of thing? I mean, were you that kid in college who said, No, no, I don't want the French fries at the hut? Honestly, I I've had an interesting journey, I guess, with my own personal nutrition. I was interested in it, but honestly, like, I feel like I spent a lot of time falling for like the stuff out there. You know what I mean? Like all of the kind of misinformation, like I tried the fad diets, I tried the like weird products and stuff like that. And then I, I mean, I really loved metabolism and that's why I really went into nutrition, but I would be lying if I said there wasn't like a teeny little bit part of me that was like, I want to know the secret. I, I want to know the secret, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. So I was like, you know, there's, there's gotta be some secret out here about what nutrition actually is. And then I got into my master's and I was taking all these classes and I was like, wow, there, there isn't a secret. <laughs> like there's, there's no like magic product. There's no magic, like anything. Like it is really, truly like way simpler than I think sometimes the internet makes it out to be. Wait and a minute. So- Are you telling me I don't have to like boil bananas or whatever that, <laughs> I feel like I get that same thing, that same ad every time I cut on the computer about doing some yep. bowling bananas or something weird. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that stuff out there. And I I honestly like that was that was an interesting thing. So you know why when I was kind of like learning about metabolism and stuff like that, I was kind of piddling with my own nutrition, like yeah. random stuff, but really wanted to know the secret also. But all right, all right. Well, you know, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to I'm going to have to pump you for a little information. I mean, my gosh, I mean, you're sort of the guru here. So what would you consider to be um, sort of like the number one thing that we all fall for 
I mean, I feel like there are some things that we sort of all go, oh, clearly it's this, or like the one sort of piece of misinformation that you hear the most. Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I would say, honestly, out of a lot of the stuff I get sent and a lot of the questions that I get from people, it all a lot of the time stems from seeing headlines uh. online. So like, you know, and that's not necessarily like, you know, one specific misinformation that we fall for, but it's a big source of misinformation because you'll see something like, oh, study finds that artificial sweeteners destroy your gut microbiome. And then we see that we're like, oh my God, like I must, I must avoid artificial sweeteners and all this right. stuff. When in actuality, like that headline is just more dramatic than it actually is. Mm -hmm. And so that I think is one of the biggest sources. And so I spend a lot of time making content about like, here's some red flags for misinformation. Here's why headlines are really like, they're, they're drawing on your emotion and they're trying to get you to click because that's, that's actually the point of a lot of articles like that is trying to get you to click. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what happens with a lot of those. And so I, you know, I'm like, Hey, you need to look out for these red flags. You need to make sure like headlines and stuff that you're not just reading the headlines. I encourage a lot of people to actually like look through the article and actually like if they can and have time to actually even just take a peek at the study, because right. I don't know how many times I've seen headlines like this be about a study in mice and like, they'll, they'll pull it out and they'll be like, Oh, but like we should, we should implement this. And it's a mouse study, like, right. Like those are still useful, but like, the direct application is not necessarily like, oh my God, we need to avoid artificial sweeteners, you know? So it's, that's probably the biggest like place. I think that a lot of us get tripped up and even I sometimes get tripped up by that, you know, and you it's frustrating. I feel like, I feel like the way that people use the internet, I, and I don't even mean like like the users, like me and you, but like, but I mean, like the, the people who put things on the internet, it's like, that is consistently such an issue as putting out yeah. either misinformation or misleading information. Mm -hmm. And that's very frustrating, especially when you think about stuff like health and nutrition, mm -hmm. because, you know, that's important to people. That's, I mean, you gotta, that's, that's people's lives. That's their lives. And so, you know, it's really important to people. All right. So that's, so that's a thing. So you were talking about finding sources that you can trust mm -hmm. in addition to your Instagram page. What, tell us about some of the sites that you really, really, really trust as far as like getting information and that kind of thing. Because probably I noticed one of your, yeah. um, your reels was about reading the full abstract and all that kind of stuff. And for yeah, those yeah. of us who are maybe not as good at, at, at reading the whole thing, what are some, like some, some places, some sites that you like that kind of boils it down so that people like myself who are not that not that sciencey, um, might be able to understand and apply sort of what the best lessons are? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to throw out some Instagram handles at you. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. I, I honestly like there, there, while there is an uptick in misinformation, I also feel like there's a really great uptick of professionals getting online and meet kind of meeting people where they're at right. and science and like trying to distill it down to where it's like understandable and manageable. So I have a couple of people that I really like to follow too, because they're kind of like outside oh. in my wheelhouse that I right. learn things from. Um, so one of those is food science, babe. So food science, babe. Um, she, yes. Um, so she is really great for like kind of thinking about like food packaging or um, like the, the food system. So she's kind of not 
it's not fully nutrition. It's kind of separate from nutrition, but uh-huh. um, she's really great. Like in breaking down things, she'll often show examples of like, this is something that I saw on the internet that is misinformation and this is why it's wrong, or this is why you don't have to worry about it or, you know, things like that. So I think she is a great source of, you know, just really breaking down food science topics and making them like really understandable. Right. Um, I have one friend who is an exercise physiologist. This is a great person to follow if, um, you're, are somebody who likes to work out or you are, um, maybe even interested in like female hormone kind of stuff and how that's related to working out. Cause that's what she studies. Um, her name is doc Liss fitness Liss is L Y S S. Um, I actually D O C L Y S S fitness. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. So she, she's an exercise physiologist. Um, she's also a postdoc. She's studying exercise physiology. And so she does a lo- really great job of like breaking down some exercise stuff. Nice. So I really like, um, referring people to her too, because I feel like she is a good example of kind of the exercise portion of things. Um, and then I also have one, this is a little bit more niche, but I think (laughs) this is a great person to follow if you are somebody who has kids. Um, so one of my friends, her name's Taylor growing dot intuitive dot eaters. She's so great at ways that you can help your kids like really get into nutrition in a way that's not restrictive and like helps them eat in like a more intuitive way and stuff like that. I think she is a great person to follow. That's like totally not in my niche, but I love learning from her. So those that are is so great. neat. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many good ones on, on Instagram and stuff where they, they put out like stuff and like, for example, Taylor, the growing intuitive eaters girl, she does, she has an entire course on YouTube about how to help your kids like be intuitive eaters for free. So like, it's a great resource of, of stuff. And that's like what she studied as, as a PhD too. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Well, and you know, and that's, well, kids, I, you know, I don't have any children, but I know enough to know that it's really hard to get kids to eat what you want them to eat. And, mm-hmm. you know, and just yelling, eat your piece does not necessarily get it done. Exactly. Yeah. So she has videos on that where it's like helping picky eaters. She has a couple of kids with like food sensitivities. So she talks about that. It. I learned a lot from her and I don't have kids either, but like, I'm like, oh, this is so interesting. I never knew that. So yeah. 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 I love that. Um, just to remind everybody, we're speaking today with Stephanie Compton, PhD, RD. And no, that does not stand for Reader's Digest. It stands for, re- <laughs> for re- uh, Registered Dietitian. And she, first of all, I haven't, we haven't given your handle. Let's tell everybody how to find you on Instagram for starters. Oh, yeah, sure. I am at steph.compton.phd. Steph, and that's C-O-M-P-T-O-N. And we'll do a written piece too, and we'll link, we'll link to it. But but she has this wonderful Instagram page where she talks about nutrition and um, how to sort of sort through some of those complicated posts about nutrition and diet and that sort of thing, because there is just a wealth of stuff out there, but not mm-hmm. that much of it is really helpful to the to real people. It's, yeah. it's helpful to people who, um, who, who, who want to make money after clicking on stuff, but it's not necessarily <laughs> yeah. helpful to real people. So, exactly. So was there something when you got into all this that you found to be sort of your biggest surprise? You were like, oh my goodness, I I didn't know that. Or something that kind of, you know, once you got into the actual studying of all this sort of thing that Mm -hmm. kind of even even as a diehard Emory Henry science person that you found yourself go, wow, I just had no idea that made such a difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, So honestly, I think one of my biggest surprise with what I study, like, so cancer metabolism, right, um, was how 
different cancer metabolism is from like other, just like regular metabolism. So obviously like, you know, I learned so much at Emory from like about metabolism in general, but it was such a like learning curve of being like, okay, well, this is how like we would expect a like quote unquote regular cell to function. And this is how a cancer cell functions. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Like, that's very interesting. So like, that was a big surprise. Um, and then I think really just like learning more about the nutrition part, right? I mm -hmm. think it's so cool to have more nutrition classes, um, either in the biology department or athletic training or something like that, where you're, you're having more of those nutrition related classes, or even just like, you know, nutrition events where people can learn more about it. I think that'd be so cool to add to something like the health sciences, like, you know, college or anything like that, because I, I definitely feel like I didn't really learn about nutrition just in general. Right. And so I, that like just learning about nutrition when finding out that there wasn't a secret, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I, I get it now. Right. Are there things sort of, I don't know, common sense things or very achievable things that all of us can do to have a healthier metabolism? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, so the thing that I always talk about with metabolism, just in general, I think a lot of us assume, then this is a very common thought. I've thought this before, right? That our metabolism is broken. There's something wrong with it. Like there, there's some reason why I'm eating all these things and I'm like not gaining muscle or I'm not losing weight or I'm like not getting any better at what I'm doing. And so we, we kind of throw our metabolism under the bus <laughs> sometimes and, yes. and we're like, oh, well, my metabolism just sucks. And that's why, <laughs> that's why I am the way that I am, you know? Um, but I always, and I always say this, your metabolism is not broken. It's adaptive. And so it takes into account what you are giving yourself. So you, you almost need to treat yourself like a little like plant that you have, right? Like you need to get sleep. You need to feed yourself enough. You need to get some movement in, like you need to take care of yourself and that's going to help your metabolism the most. So doing things like, again, making sure that you're getting enough sleep at night, eating enough to like support what you're doing. So not under eating and not overeating, but kind of finding that like sweet spot of like, you know, eating enough to what you need. And movement, like just like general movement, whether that's just walking around or like doing some kind of activity that you enjoy. I think that's another like really important part of being able to like support your metabolism. And that's, that's really all you need. You don't need like the drops. You don't need to take chlorophyll. You don't need to like, you know, take any of the little hacks or anything. It's, it's kind of doing those really basic things. And that seems really basic, but it's actually like one of the best things that we can do to support our metabolism. Well, you're right. That does sound like just good common sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you think that there has to be, there has to be some secret out there. Right. Yeah. But, but really like we are, we all probably know the baseline of what we need to do. It's just doing it. That is always <laughs> the hard part. Right. You and are not so, kidding. Yeah. Like that, that's the hard part. And that's, you know, a lot of the hard part with nutrition is like the actual behavior change and like implementation, because it's so hard to implement things in real life. Right. Um, but, but yeah, like that, that really basic stuff is actually what's going to like support your metabolism the most. Okay. okay this is just a nosy question, but like, do you, are you a big cook? You cook? Yeah, I love to do cook. You? Do yeah. you? What sorts of things do you like to cook? And do you, and do you have a, do you have a site for like recipes and food that you just enjoy? Ooh, I have not actually really gone deep into the like, like gathering recipes thing. I've got it. I just, I haven't had the time, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, um, know, how you, I don't know how you're functioning. I'm, I'm worried about your metabolism because I don't know when you're sleeping. <laughs> oh yeah. I know. I, I have, I will say I have gotten better at my sleep, but okay. you know, 
that's that's one thing. Um, in terms of what I myself cook, I am I love to cook, but I am also very busy, obviously. So I like to cook things that are either going to feed me for a couple of meals or something that is like really quick and easy to do, which I think sometimes we we think that nutrition for it to be good has to be like you sit down and you meal prep for hours and hours and everything that you eat has to be like the freshest most amazing ingredients but in actuality like there's nothing wrong with canned green beans oh yeah. thank goodness yes. yeah or anything like that and so you know most of the time if i'm cooking something i'm like okay do i have a carb do i have a protein do i have a vegetable <laughs> and do i have a little bit of fat in there and i i just like kind of throw things together so like i love roasting vegetables and like maybe roasting some chicken and having it with some like rice or i mm. love like making like a good sandwich i have recently i don't know if you've seen my instagram story i've recently been on cottage cheese toast for my like breakfast what in the doodah is that <laughs> I didn't think I liked cottage cheese because I've only ever had it with fruit. Um, but I recently have discovered putting just putting cottage cheese on like a, a, a slice of like crusty bread in the morning and like topping it with either something savory or something sweet like fruit or something. Amazing. No and, kidding. Yes, amazing. Me, can I tell you my I'm just as a quick aside, my crazy cottage cheese story because I too did not like it. Yeah. I drizzle, I drizzle honey on top and then put pumpkin seeds on top. Ooh, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Just That's just okay. a quick little aside there to share with you. Well, that is hysterical. Cottage cheese toast. I, did you invent that? I've never even heard of that. I, I know it has been a trend. Like okay, there's been a trend on TikTok where people are like whipping their cottage cheese, but I don't I don't have time for that. So I just like slap my cottage cheese on some toast instead. And it's delicious because you get like a little bit, you get like the fat and the carb, like from the bread, depending on the kind of bread and from the cottage cheese. And the cottage cheese has a lot of protein in it too. And then you can get like some fruit on top or you can put maybe some like tomatoes and like get a little bit of vegetable. And it's like the most amazing breakfast. I don't know. <laughs> And you said, you've said fat like three times. So fat mm -hmm. is good. Yes. Good fat yeah. is good. What is yeah. good fat? What is good fat? How do we know what's good fat? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, things that are more of those unsaturated fats. So that means that you have things like olive oil, nuts and seeds, like that kind of thing. Not to say that like getting any fat from like any kind of meat is like the worst thing ever, but you do want to limit it because most of those are going to be saturated fats and those are going to raise oh. our risk for like, you know, like you're raising your risk for like heart disease, like high cholesterol, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but getting those unsaturated fats again from like olive oil or other seed oil, like if you like avocado oil or like sunflower or something like that, yeah. um, I limit coconut oil because that is more saturated. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was like shoveling oh. coconut oil a couple, <laughs> a couple years ago. I remember that fad. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. So I, I tend to actually, I, I tend to do like nuts and seeds. I like to cook with olive oil. It's just easy. You know, like you, if you're making some like roasted veg, you're just like, okay, well, here's my fat, like put a little olive oil on it. You're, you're good to go. That's awesome. <laughs> Stephanie, I, you know, I swear, I'm so happy to be following you on Instagram. I oh, might just, yeah. I might just have to move south and follow you around because you're just fun. <laughs> and I love the energy that you've got going on. And I love all that's great advice that you're giving. Tell me, if you had this sort of point to like one kind of cool thing that you did at Emory and Henry that kind of follows you besides studying metabolism, which clearly was the most important class you took. <laughs> <laughs> what 
are there other things that you did at Emory and Henry that you find still kind of stay with you and follow you around and mm-hmm. honestly I mean I had such a great time in all the organizations that I was in I it's like all of my friends that I've made at Emory have been like since we became friends like it's like lifelong right like yeah. I still talk to people that I, I went to Emory with like I, I go on trips with them I visit them like we chat like constantly so that has been like one of definitely the things that has made a huge impact. And, um, you know, I'm really thankful to have made those friendships because I always feel like, you know, anytime I'm back at Emory or anytime I come home or anytime I just want to talk to somebody, I feel like I have like such a great group of people that I can reach out to. Yeah. So it's like, definitely. And that's really important when you're like, you know, when I was like doing a whole bunch of stuff and, you know, finishing all of my, my degree and all that kind of stuff, like being able to reach out and be like, Hey, can we just like hang out for a little while? That, that was really impactful. That is awesome. When you, when you come in to visit. I'm going to be mama when you're coming to visit. <laughs> I hate that I missed homecoming this I year. No, um, but but I um, I came to homecoming last year, so I love coming back for homecoming. Um, might see if I can try to visit at least sometime next year because I I'm actually from the area, so I I come back relatively. Where'd you often. grow up? In Lebanon, Virginia. Oh, man, well I yeah. know it's real because you didn't say Lebanon. Exactly. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So I'm back in the region, like, you know, relatively often coming to see my family and stuff. I just moved to Baton Rouge a couple months ago. So, you know, itching to come home and I'm jealous of all your fall weather and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, definitely I'm going to try to come back for homecoming. All right. All right. All right. Well, anytime you're up here, just come by and let us know you're going to do a big old webinar because we all want to be there with, you know, with our pencils and paper and we're going to write down everything you say, but Mm -hmm. we have to write fast because you get a lot of energy. Okay. I can slow it down too. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, listen, I want, I want to thank you for being with us today on the Duck Pond Wall. And I want to thank everybody for being with us. Stephanie, this has been so much fun. Thank you so yeah. much for doing this. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Fantastic. And thanks everybody for being with us today on the Duck Pond Wall. And I hope you'll stay tuned to WEHC. It is the voice of Southwest Virginia. Wow.